0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Investor Guys podcast with myself, Yay. Kevin Mills, and Bill Barnett. I apologize to everybody if I sound a little bit stuffy. I am suffering through a head cold today, uh, along with my daughter who's off school with me. So you may hear her over here uh, scribbling and every once in a while she's prone to humming as well. But uh, we'll get through this. Uh, Bill, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing incredibly well. Sorry to hear that... Uh you're a bit stuffy and certainly for charisma. So, um, that's what happens uh, when yeah. you live with a five-year-old. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Especially pre-K kindergarten, yes.
1: first grade, you know, they bring everything home.
0: So yep. Let's they have they have to to get it out, out of their here. system. And then, uh, I have to get it back into mine. So, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, great
1: stuff. You know, I was, uh, uh, Realtor.com is owned by the National Association of Realtors, and it's a place that I go to keep tabs on the market nationally and to also uh, look for uh, interesting news for our local market. So uh, I suggest to people that that's a, a good source, and, and obviously it's a great source to look for property. If you're not using the MLS to look for property, and look, all Realtor.com is is the public version of the MLS, Uh, If you're not using that, you're kidding yourself. Ninety seven percent of the property that is sold in America is sold through the MLS from a single family perspective. So uh, if you're not doing that, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of real estate speakers. go, Oh, you don't need to use the MLS. You don't need to use agents. Well, that's true. You can certainly find stuff without the MLS and you can find stuff without using agents but you're dealing with a three percent of the inventory when you start doing that so i think it's absolutely ludicrous and foolish uh if you're thinking about investing in property and you're not using mls so and and to kid yourself that you can't find good deals on the mls is just you're listening to bs from people that uh, have an agenda that they don't want you on the mls uh, because it weakens their speaking platform and what they might and, be and yeah, and yeah,
0: I wanted to bring that up really quick too, is be careful where you get information from. If somebody yep. is telling you something that just doesn't ring true or telling you to discount where you're going to be able to get 98% of your leads, uh, it, I don't want to say if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is, but if it sounds too good to be true, do your homework homework, okay? Can you get properties for zero down? Yes. Is it easy to get properties for zero down? Not so much. Are you going to pull your hair out trying to get properties for zero down? Probably. So if you focus your strategy on that, you are going to get frustrated and you are going to give up on investing in real estate a lot quicker than if you understand things like, how to get the money and where to get the money and how to do the financing in order to make deals work, even if you have no money. So be cautious of who you take advice from and the advice that you take. Um, but I, I didn't mean. To, I just wanted to jump in there really quick because that yeah, that's huge. great stuff. People, people, people want to sell you what they think you want to hear, and everybody wants to hear you can do this for no money down. You can do this for no money. You can do this for no money. You can do this for no money. Guess what? Lots of people have no money. And even if they have it, they'd rather not spend it. Uh, the funny thing is is for what you spend taking a lot of these people's courses, you can get started actually purchasing real estate by putting your money into something that wasn't just smoke and mirrors. Yeah.
1: So one of the things that I had, um looked at and always keep track of what's going on in markets nationally, you and I invest in multiple markets around the country. And I always like keeping tabs on where opportunities are. Now, we do some special things that really avail us for being able to invest all over the country, which uh, people should learn how to do because you'll find things like this, that say, hey, I may not be in one of these top 10 markets. Realtor.com recently came out with a top 10 list of emerging markets for 2023, and it gives the median price for these markets. Uh, and if you're in a market like Kevin or I are in, uh, median income or median housing price uh, is starting to get staggering. Uh, if you live in New York, New Jersey, you've been dealing with this for many, many years. If you live in California, especially Southern Cal or San Francisco, you've been dealing with this for many, many years. Uh, those prices are correcting. Why? Because people are fleeing there as if the state's on fire because it is. Uh, it just is not necessarily flames, it's on fire with. We'll just call it taxation and leave it at that. So top 10 markets. So we'll go through the list and then we'll look at uh, some reasons that these are happening. Now, I'll tell you the basis they used, according to the article, for selecting this the way they did. So one of the things was strength of the economy. What's the job market like? Do they have low unemployment there? Those are crucial items. Uh, that strength of the job market, uh, you can, I've said this for years and years and years. I, I, I was, I didn't discover this. It's a truism for real estate. It has been, always will be, which is if you've got a good, strong job market, you're going to have a good, strong real estate market in that community. If you've got new plants coming in, new companies coming in, and they need more and more, housing they need more and more workers there's more and more housing needed for that market they go hand in hand they always have and they always will because people are going to go where the jobs are and where the jobs are housing is going to be so when you start looking at uh, according to realtor.com these top 10 markets and then we'll talk about some of these individually so want to do a quick overview of the top 10 and then we'll get into some very specifics for these markets number one Johnson City, Tennessee. Tennessee is exploding. Um, number two, Visalia, California. Surprisingly that there's any California market on here. Uh, and this is the only one on there. Number three, Elkhart, Indiana. Number four, Northport, Florida. Now, a little surprising that there's any emergence left in Florida. But uh, Northport made the List for number four, number five, Fort Wayne, Indiana, Uh, number six, Lafayette, Indiana, number seven, Columbia, South Carolina, number eight, Columbia, Missouri, and number nine, Raleigh, North Carolina, number 10, Yuma, Arizona. So you start looking at this list and you see a couple of norms in there, Florida, California, that may not be surprising than the rest of them are surprising that they are markets that are just really starting to pop. So let's look at median price in these markets and then we'll look at why some of these opportunities exist the way they do.
0: Johnson City. We'll get back from the break. All right, we'll be right back from the break. We'll get back from the break. We're back, I'm just gonna throw it right back to you, Bill, because you were on a roll before we left.
1: You bet. And one thing we didn't say at the beginning of the of the podcast today, episode 185 today, 185. episode 185. Wow. Uh, so the median price in these markets, Johnson City, Tennessee, 379, 379. Fairly inexpensive for what's going on in the market around the uh, country today. California, a little bit higher, but say California, 400,000. Lowest price on the list. Elkhart, Indiana, medium price for Elkhart, $257,000. 257, Northport, Florida, number four, 548 No surprise that it's uh, up in the half million range. Number five, Fort Wayne, Indiana, 300000 Number six, Lafayette, Indiana, 291 So we've got two that are under 300000 which is pretty surprising in,
0: in, uh, both in Indiana. today's world.
1: Both in Indiana, 257, 291, and then one at 300,000. So Columbia, South Carolina, 309. A little surprising there because Columbia, home of uh, University of South Carolina and the capital of South Carolina. So it's got a lot going going for it. We talk from time to time about uh, false economies and all state capitals have a false economy. The state capital those markets are always going to do well because they've got politicians going there. The government's going to go on no matter what the economy's doing. So you get a little bit of a false economy there. And so uh, this is an excellent market. When you look at like Austin, Austin has gotten so stupid for uh, and it's gotten so stupid period, but it's gotten so stupid for investing um, that for Oh, gosh, a good 10, 15 years. The pricing is ridiculous there. And when pricing goes up and gets so overvalued, in many cases, it squeezes investors out. So Columbia, South Carolina, it's got the state capital, it's got the University of South Carolina, and large university towns also have a false economy. They have A tremendous number of people that work at the university, but then you have the influx of students that come in that aren't citizens necessarily. They aren't going to be there forever, but they do provide a tremendous amount of income when school is in session. So Columbia, South Carolina, an excellent, excellent uh, opportunity. Columbia, Missouri uh, at 347000
0: I'm uh, Raleigh, Columbia, New- Missouri costs more than than uh, either of the, the towns in Indiana. Columbia, Missouri, yeah. for me, that was the surprise on this list was Columbia, Missouri. Yeah, and Columbia, Missouri, if I'm not mistaken, that's University of Missouri.
1: Uh, I I wouldn't know. I I think that's correct. Um, could be wrong on that. Raleigh, North Carolina, at four hundred sixty three thousand, and then Yuma, Arizona, at three fifteen. Little surprise that. Yuma's coming in at, at that modest of a price for median uh, price of housing, median housing. So, excellent. So yeah, when you, you look over,
0: real quick, Raleigh, Raleigh has for years, for decades, been part of that that perfect investment area. We call it the Research Triangle. It's Raleigh, Durham, mm-hmm. Charlotte. Um, to be able to still get properties. If you've never been to Research Triangle, if you've never been to Raleigh, uh, to, be, to, to go there and say, you know what, I can still get properties for under $400,000 in the median range. That is, that is an amazing thing because Raleigh, Durham, Charlotte is a very busy area. It is a very emerging area. It has been for decades. Uh, Charlotte and Raleigh are are huge for the arts. They're also huge for banking and investment Uh, and the universities. There's a bunch of universities all right there within that, that triangle. That's why it's called research triangle. Uh, So to be able to find things in the Raleigh, Charlotte, Durham area for under $400,000 or under $500,000 for that matter. And that being the median price range, it just tells us it's still ripe for investment. It is still a great place to go in and invest. Rents are solid. Uh, The economy is solid. It it has been a shining spot for investment for 15, 20 years. So when you start looking at what do these numbers mean to
1: us as investors? If you are in the rental market, these are excellent opportunities to be able to go into because the median pricing lets you know, I still can afford to buy rental property Here, now we would suggest to you that you look at multifamily rental properties, uh, anywhere from a duplex on up, because you get some economies of scale and it gets your per door cost, as it's referred to in the the industry, per door cost, or your per per unit cost, gets them, uh, helps them come down. So if I can buy a single family home for 200,000 or I can buy a duplex for 200,000, the duplex gives me a better economy of scale And I'm likely to be able to get more rent out of the two units in the duplex than I can get out of an equivalent single family. Now, it's going to be fairly close. Now, the more units you get, uh, as you start getting up into 20, 30, 50 units, and you start buying buildings and small buildings, even 15 or 20 units, your cost per door is going to come down substantially. We're still in markets uh, and Kevin, I can show you how to do this. We're still in markets where uh, you can get forty, forty-five thousand per door, uh, and you're not having to buy fifty doors at a time to be able to get that kind of pricing, uh, which leads you to be able to get a great cash-on-cash cash return on your investment. We mentioned this the other time.
0: We will mention this as long as we are drawing breath. And the so irony return- is, irony is, is you may qualify more easily for a multi-unit building than you will for a single family uh, because the, the the terms are totally different so you may qualify more easily buying a multi-family unit than you would a single family and a lot of people don't understand that they don't 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 grasp that but because we are talking about two different types of animals uh, it may be easier for you to purchase a multi-family unit than a single family unit. Yep, And one of the things that you'll
1: find, Fannie and Freddie both have small apartment buildings, in their minds, small. They have these small loans that go anywhere from $1 million to $5 million or $1 million to $10 million, depending on which of those uh, agencies you're dealing with. And they, they call that internally, they refer to them as their mom-and-pop apartment loans. And they call it that because it is what they want. Folks like you and I are coming to the table and being involved in local markets because there's a lot of buildings that the, the very large companies that, that own apartment buildings all over the country and they, they build these magnificent um, build uh, complexes that may have four, five, six hundred units in them. Uh, those companies, when they're looking at a 20, 30, 40 unit building, they're not going to go out and buy an existing 40 unit property. If they do, they're looking to uh, clear the well, lot off put something and use else the there. land. Yeah, yeah.
0: They're,
1: they're not looking at buying and operating those. So it, there's a big opportunity. Now, when you start going into those type of loans, one of the things that you'll find, and you can go on Google and search these loans and, and then go in and start looking at all the parameters that you have to jump through some hoops. Yes, but you personally, do not have to have the credit worthiness to go buy a $5 million building.
0: Or the income.
1: Yeah, or the income to do that. And you don't have to have, not only do you not have to have the management expertise, even if you do have the management expertise, they will not let you buy the covenants of the loan, they will not let you be the property manager or your company be the property manager. It must be managed by a proven outside entity. Well, if I'm paying 10% and many times when I'm getting those kind of doors, I'm gonna be paying less than that. But if I'm paying 10% for my property to be managed and them to handle all the issues and the lender likes them, them being a management company, why in the world would I want to take on all that headache of me managing the property? I'm not going to, don't want to. Prefer being an owner, not a manager. Yes. So uh, even if you are, uh, and Kevin and I do this from time to time, we'll syndicate properties, and we are the managers of the syndication, but not the manager of the property, and there is a huge difference there. So- when you start looking at these markets, so what, what is screaming here is Indiana. Wow. Uh, a lot of people from Illinois are moving across the state line and going into Indiana. Why? Because if they live in Chicago, one of the great dregs on uh, the plight of America as cities like Chicago with their insane gun control, yet they have one of the highest murder rates uh, in the country. Um, so, their, their taxation is very strong, so you look at where are people going. They're going across the border uh, and trying to get into something that is, one, less expensive and into a community that may be a little bit more normal. Now, they may be still commuting back to Chicago to work, but they don't necessarily want to live there or try to raise their kids there because of the insanity that goes on uh, in some of these extremely large markets that are very poorly run from a governmental standpoint.
0: Right. Uh, and we're when I say a, poorly we're run. We're up on a break. So let's hold that for the next, the next segment, the last segment, because um, we're, we're over already, but we'll be back in a minute. We are back and uh, I'm going to let you go ahead right back into that role that you were on. Uh, well, a lot of people moving out of Illinois into Indiana. Yeah. And moving out of, of the big cities, but specifically out of Chicago,
1: uh, now, when I, I say governmentally poorly run cities, I'm not picking sides here. You can look at these cities. You can look at Washington, D.C. You can look at Chicago. You can look at um, San Francisco, L.A. You can look at New York City. You can look at Newark, New Jersey. You can look at a lot of these major cities. Uh, they have certain political environments in common. Uh, but, you know, Detroit, uh, you know, they're, they're just a wreck of a city. Uh, and do they have redeeming qualities? Certainly they do. Leadership is not one of them. So you see people leaving to go live elsewhere where they feel safe, live elsewhere where they feel comfortable trying to raise their children, live elsewhere where the taxation may not be insane on them. Live elsewhere where they can find a home that they can afford, and so when I start looking at Indiana, I want to look at a map and and see the line of where these particular three cities are. And again, that's Elkhart, Fort Wayne, and Lafayette. And Lafayette, if I'm not mistaken, is um, University of Illinois. Um, that may be Champagne. Uh, or the University of Indiana, excuse me. That may be Champagne, but uh, it seems like there's a college. Champagne is, no. is Illinois. Okay, so um, it seemed like there's somebody that's in Lafayette, uh, Indiana. There's a um,
0: oh West Lafayette is Purdue.
1: Okay, there you go. So yeah, uh, right. So you know, I, I want to look at where those cities are in relationship to each other and relationship to other major cities. But when I start looking at that, I, I see here's an explosion. When you've got three of the top 10 emerging markets in the same state, that state is just popping. And what's happening is you're seeing that um, there's this tremendous divide on how things are run in our country from a, a city standpoint, and a state standpoint. And the states that are going with pro-business, pro-job, typically conservative, just going to throw that piece in, pro-business, pro-job, they are where people are wanting to move. Uh, To be pro-business, you typically are not going to be tax-crazy. New York and California are just insane tax They're just tax-crazy. Whatever the problem is, oh, let's raise taxes. That'll take care of it. Uh, And you're seeing what's happening. People are fleeing. New York, New Jersey, and California, fleeing as if it were on fire to get away from uh, the taxation that comes with some of these insane policies. But it affects the housing market tremendously. It affects the job market. What's the major reason that um, businesses are leaving, specifically California? I think California has lost more business than any other state uh, in the last four or five years, and it's all taxation. So when that's happening, they're looking at tax-friendly states to move to. What is one thing that Florida is always known for? What's one thing that Texas has always been known for? We are tax-friendly states. Uh, And that makes a huge difference when corporations are looking at where do we want to be? And it's gotten to a point now that even though several of these large corporations that have been in California for 50, 60, 100 years, and they're going, we get, we just can't, California, you win. We can't stay here any longer. You're just too insane with the way you uh, tax everything and uh, highest gas prices in the nation, blah, 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 blah. And they come to states that are saying, we are pro-business. I don't know the tax structure in Indiana, but when I see three of the top 10 emerging markets in the same state, I got to believe that they are a business friendly, business forward environment, which means they're probably pretty decent tax wise. And they're getting jobs. And when they get jobs, they're getting a demand on the housing market, whether it be single family, or whether it be multifamily. So right now we're seeing all across the country, except in a few uh specific spots, Kevin and I happen to be in two of those specific spots, where the real estate market is softening tremendously. And it's a downturn. And look, this may be the only thing that uh, I will defend. uh, And I hate to even use the word defend, but I will correct people on when they say this is Biden's fault. It's not. This was going to happen no matter what, the real estate market, because we were overdue for a correction. We were overdue for the market to cool off. Uh, if you remember the last time this happened, it was late 2007, early 2008, where we had the downturn, and it lasted through the end of 2012. And then we've taken off on this amazing pricing run. When you look at what prices have done during that span, oh, away through the end of uh, 2012, They just dipped incredibly, but they did not go back to where they were prior to 08. This is a key thing you need to understand about the real estate correction. And we're going to be going through this. It is not going to stop uh, if the government can't force people to buy houses. uh, So this correction is going to happen. It would have happened no matter who was in office because of the fact that it just, it's a cyclical business and we were overdue, we weren't due, we were overdue for a correction. Now it's here. Uh, it is, we're just
0: getting started at it. Too. To preface that, okay, the real estate correction was coming no matter what, wouldn't have mattered what was in office. However, inflation and recession those are absolutely political issues. Those are absolutely yep. the, the Biden administration's issue. And would I rather be going into this real estate correction with 4% interest and 3% interest? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, and cheap gas and energy yeah. independence. Yeah. You, yeah. you get kind what you, you're dealt, you know, and you make the most yeah. of it. And are there yeah. still opportunities? There absolutely are. Um, but, yeah i mean give credit where credit is due and and lay blame where blame is due this was something that bill and i were talking about years ago this is just yeah. we see it it's, it's a cycle we see we've seen it multiple times sadly we're dinosaurs we've seen this 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 over and over and over again because we've done this long enough uh anybody no. who paid attention to the market who's anywhere close to our age has seen this happen it, it, it's a cycle that happens over and over and over again most of you can remember back to 2007 but this also happened in the 90s this also happened yeah. in the late 70s uh this is something that has just happens it's just nature yeah. of the beast and understanding that means you can prepare for it understanding that means that you can make sure that you are positioned to benefit from it i didn't mean to to jump in on that i just wanted no, to it, talk while we were talking about it, i just wanted to bring it up Good stuff there. And always, if you understand
1: the cycle, when the market goes down, you don't get into this panic. It's a shift in your business focus. That's why a lot of times uh, you'll hear us talking about, uh, yes, you want to be primary in one area, but you don't want to be exclusive to, and when I say area, I mean area of investing, not geographic area, I mean type of investing. Uh, If you get honed in on the only thing I do is X, there's going to be a time that X is out of favor. That's the nature of business, especially in real estate. So it's going to be out of favor at some point. And as it goes out of favor, then what are you going to do? Where's your business going to be? If you understand the breadth of the real estate market, even just single family, and the different opportunities that you have based on what's happening in the market, when the market starts to change, it's a shift in your focus. And it doesn't have to be earth-shaking. You're gonna find that this is where pros, guys like Kevin and myself, this is where we make the most money. Uh, I was uh, surprised somebody the other day, they were like, boy, I bet you're uh, disappointed that that great market has ended and, and now uh, you know it's gonna be tough times for the next few years. And I said, well, I am disappointed that the great market ended because it was great for our country. Uh, so I am disappointed in that, that it had to come to an end. It surprised me, no, I knew that was coming. It's been coming for months. It's been for a good 14, 16 months. We've been seeing the underpinnings of the real estate market, which Kevin and I look at, Uh, changing. It takes a long time for all those underpinnings to hit the retail market or the the mainstream media. When it hits there, it's not coming. It's already here. And the downturn in the real estate market is already here. Uh, Will it increase? Likely. Will prices continue to go down? Yep, they will. Uh, But it's here and it's no surprise to us to pay attention. So, We ask you, follow the market, stay on with our podcast. You know other investors, have them get on here with you Uh, because we'll let you know where the market's going. This is not like the stock market. Oh, nobody can predict the stock market. True statement, by the way. But you can predict the real estate market absolutely because it moves so slowly and because the factors that change the market are very specific. And so we can tell you, yes, where the real estate market is going uh, as a whole and then where individual markets are going if we want to dwell on those and and dive into that. But these emerging markets, great opportunities for us as investors.
0: Yeah. And whenever a market is in flux, that's where your opportunity is. So Bill and I have been in markets that have been blowing up for the last couple of years. I talked to a gentleman yesterday, a a consulting client uh, for a different for business consulting he, per- he just purchased a home in Boca and he paid $880,000 for it. the people he bought the house from bought it a year ago for 410. So in wow. one year, they made a 400. Again, the market has been in flux, it has been going up. Now it's oh. slowing down. Now we have different types of opportunities. We always need to know what the market is doing. We always need to know what our strategy is and where our opportunities are so that we can capitalize on them. So when a market is blowing up that fast, you can buy a house and sit on it for a year and, and make a fortune, okay? It's just, it's, it's that simple. They did nothing to the house. They bought it. And just because of the way the markets were going in Florida, it blew up. We've seen that happen over and over again. We've seen that happen in California. We've seen that happen in Texas. We've seen that happen here. Uh, When the markets start to cool off, this is a great opportunity to start getting inventory. If the inventory is paying for itself, keep it. When the market starts to blow up, decide whether or not you want to keep these properties for for income or whether you want to blow them out for profit and reinvest that profit into something that's going to continue to bring you a steady income. Uh, We are up on our time, but... Thank you for joining us. Uh, please let us know how you like the show. You can contact Bill at Bill at investorguyspodcast.com, myself, Kevin at investorguyspodcast.com, or either or both of us at contact at investorguyspodcast.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time, Bill. Have a great day. It's a feeling, brother. Just my girl for me. I will. Chrisma, you want to say see see? everybody? We'll see, see you soon. Hold on a second. Chrisma can.